everyone. Welcome back to another episode of How to Live the Podcast, where we have a real meaningful and fun conversations with people who inspire us. And sometimes we just have them with each other. We are your hosts, Jess and Steph Daron, and we hope you are taking care of yourselves. I am definitely trying to take care of myself. I'm actually currently sitting in bed recording this episode while I lie on my delicious electric blanket because I'm doing like the work and also the self-care at the same time. Love it. I'm also coming at you from bed, just in a different bed, in a different state with a different form of heat. Mine is a heat pack. (laughs) Oh my goodness. What a crazy last week has it been? So being in Melbourne, we are back in lockdown for six full weeks. We're all going to be back in our houses. I'm feeling a lot of mixed emotions about it. I know we chatted a lot about all of the amazing things that we got out of lockdown last time, like living a slower life. But at the same time, I would be lying if I said I was just embracing it wholeheartedly. I'm definitely feeling a little bit disheartened and a little bit disappointed. And I feel like it's a little bit weird, hey, that it's just Victoria when the rest of Australia is out and about and very weird that I'm not in Victoria at the moment because as I did mention, I've gone to Byron Bay for six months. Very, very strange timing that I left and then all this lockdown stuff happened again. So yeah, it does feel a little bit strange to be able to go out when all my pals in Melbourne can't go out. Mm. But I guess I'll just be jumping on a lot of Zooms and being there in solidarity. Totally. Yeah. So it's really nice for us to be in your ears today. And we hope that we're offering you some nice company wherever you are. And definitely do reach out to us if you're struggling at all or you need a sounding board or some friends. We will be absolutely happy to do that for you. But we do have a pretty awesome episode in store for you guys. We were feeling so inspired after our chat with Nimble last week about their sustainability journey within their own activewear label. So we thought, you know what? It's time that we talk to you about our sustainability journey within our footwear label. It sure is. So we are going to get into it. Make sure you stick around to the end of this episode to hear what incredible interviewee we have on next week. Let's get into the sustainability stuff. So we have talked about in a couple of episodes on the podcast how 2020 and all of these changes and various things that have been thrown at us by this year have really got us rethinking the way that we do business, the way that we run our business. And that is in a lot of different areas. And one of them in particular that is a cause we are really passionate about is the sustainability element. So before we get into the vision and where we are taking it at the moment, we thought we could take you back to the beginning and run you through the journey a little bit. So back in 2016, when we launched our label, to be completely honest, sustainability and the environment wasn't really an active conversation that we were having. Always in our upbringing, our mum was very environmentally conscious. You know, I remember her talking to us a lot about 
recycling and learning about composting and things like that. So it wasn't that we were super unaware. I think that within our own lives, we were maybe a little bit more conscious than some of my friends or the people that I was around. But I wasn't really viewing it in this way of like, I'm starting a business. So that means that not only do I now have to worry about what I'm doing in my own space, but I also now have to worry about it in my business. That wasn't really conversations that we were all having like we are right now. So it was back in 2016. We were like, okay, right. What do we want to do with our label? And the number one thing for us, as you guys would know, is animal friendly. We really, really wanted to make vegan products accessible to everybody. We didn't understand why shoes were being made with leather. We thought that it would be great if we could just create a really cruelty-free product. And I think through our journey with Tubes, we've started to really educate ourselves on the effects that the fashion industry has on the environment. And even if you're taking from an animal standpoint, you know, the fact that it has an effect on animals' habitats, it kind of like all feeds into each other. So the more and more we stepped into this space, the more we were able to learn and be like, ugh, don't know how good this feels. And I think you mentioned something there was that we did start to think about over those first couple of years of our business, the fact that we really care about animals and animals is such an important value to us in our business. And when we talk about the environment and the damage being done to the environment on a global scale at the moment, when you see a video of a polar bear and how the situation that's been created by humans and you see the impact that that's having on a polar bear and you see this video of a polar bear that its skin is falling off it, it can't eat enough, it's in a climate that is way warmer than it's acclimatized to living in. When you start to see that link between animals and the environment, you can't ignore that really strong link. And so when we look to update our values, it wasn't that we added the environment as a new value. It was animals and the environment. Because to us, if you care about one, you have to care about the other. Those two things just sit side by side. And I think over the last few years, the education has really changed. You also mentioned education there, Jess. I feel like, think about when Zara and H&M came out. I don't know. I think these stores came to Australia in the last five to 10 years. And when they came to Australia, there was no conversation about the impact that that was having on the environment. We were all just like, oh my God, awesome. We can buy clothes for this cheap. And the thing is, it's solving another problem, which is that idea of exclusive fashion. Suddenly, there's wider access to a range of people who before couldn't afford all these clothes. And now this is awesome. People can have access to amazing fashion and it doesn't have to be at those crazy price points. But then over the last, what, five years, I would say, we've really started to be alerted to the factors that are contributing to climate change. I've heard it being referenced differently, but the fashion industry is always in those top five of the worst contributors to climate change. Yeah, absolutely. And accessible fashion was one of our key pillars when we started Tubes. It was really important to us that we didn't want to be elitist at all. And so having these constant conversations around price has been something that's really important to us. You know, when we set out to create Tubes, we wanted to be producing, what were our initial price points? They were 59 and 79, I want to say. Yeah, that was it. And they arrived. And the thing was, when we were producing 
producing shoes at that price, they didn't last very long. And so what we found was while we were producing a really affordable shoe that most people could buy if they wanted it, it meant that it was only lasting three months and then it was breaking and that wasn't good either. So there's this constant conversation that we are having within our business of, is it price? Is it made to last? Is there a way that we can marry the two? And that's a constant journey that we are on right now of looking at ways that we can bring in sustainability and bring in longevity without surging the price, which is a challenge in and of itself. Huge challenge. And so over the last few years, we have started to hear about brands talking about their 2025 goals. I think a lot of people have their 2025 plan. And then we hear about these gas companies talking about their 2050 visions. But with the climate strike last year, listening to Greta Thunberg and the way that she's been educating the world, the more you educate yourself on this topic, we don't have that long. We don't know how long we have, but we might not have until 2025. So over the last kind of year, we've started to really ramp up this conversation within our own office. It's been something really big. And to be honest, actually, as Jess and I both last year have both gone on this kind of wellness journey, we've both started to just, I think naturally when you start to tune into your inner compassion more and you start to really tune in to that voice inside yourself and assess what really is important to you. We started to realize that this is really, really important and it's more important than making your mark on the world. I feel like we're going to look back and that will be last generation's thing, making your mark on the world. You know, that was pre-2020, pre-2015, but now we're really entering this age of we really need to all be in this together to help each other, to help the planet. Now is the time to come together and to make change together. But it's really nice to say that. It really is. You know, I can say that. But to actually act on that, it's hard because the reality of it is we've been brought up to do things in a certain way. You know, for the last 20, 30, 50, 100 years, we've been doing things in this old way of thinking, which is like, go you individual, you know, you achieve this thing. Yay, you, you're successful. That is the idea of success. And so funny because so many of these conversations that we have around success, around external validation, they all really link in together. But we were saying that we wanted to be sustainable and we were looking into it, but it was hard to actually take that action because at the same time, we're like, oh, but we're selling these shoes and these department stores want to buy these shoes from us. And so we don't want to rock the boat. It was hard to get off that hamster wheel for us. And I do want to add there, you mentioned the climate strikes last year. And as you said that, I actually had a flashback to being in a taxi I can't remember if it was before the climate strike or after the climate strike. We had been in New York for a while. And in Australia, I think that we don't necessarily do a good enough job of being really aware of single-use plastics and composting and all that stuff. But once I was in New York, I realized how ahead we are. And I was like, holy crap the stuff that's going on in Melbourne is really not going on in New York. You know, there's no such thing as a keep cup. They barely recycled in areas that we were in. And so we were really feeling the gravity of the situation and the seriousness that we're facing within the environment. And I remember being in the taxi and you and I having the conversation of, 
maybe we just should close tubes. Maybe that is the answer, that right now we're contributing to landfill and the way to feel better about that would just be to stop. And we sat with that for a little bit and that was really confronting because we've been working on this thing for like, I don't know, feels like forever, lots of years. And to actually have the conversation of maybe we'd be better off just closing tomorrow. We also even talked about the idea of using closing our brand as a form of activism and using that to be like, hey guys, the world's so bad that we think closing is the best thing that we can do right now. We did. We toyed with that for a while and we kind of went back and forth. And what we ended up coming to was the fact that, you know what, people are going to buy shoes. I think we can all agree that consumerism to some degree isn't going anywhere. But if we can provide people with better shoes, with shoes that not only don't harm the environment, but maybe we could even figure out a way to create shoes that did good things for the environment then the world would be way better off buying tubes than they would be buying anything else that wasn't focusing on sustainability in the way that we were. And we could feel really good with encouraging people to buy these shoes because we really, really know that they are doing good by buying these shoes. So at that point, Claire and I started going to seminars. We actually brought on sustainability consultants, Clara Vulatich and Alita Milani. And we were having the conversation of, okay, other people are planning for 2025. That's not good enough in our view. Let's plan for 2022. That's what we were saying. We're like, we're not interested in a five-year plan. Let's do a two-year plan. Three weeks later, COVID hit. Spanner. And something that that did for us was allow us to just take a breath. There were no orders that needed to be fulfilled for retailers or customers, really. Let's be real. Not many people buying shoes. And first we were freaking out and we were like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? But then once we got over that, we were like, well, let's use this time to pause, to pivot, to figure out what is important to us and how we want to move forward. And I remember the first thing that we did within that was we had a 25-piece collection that was about to be in production to launch in August, and we cancelled it. (laughs) Well, and I think that there's a really important learning in that for all businesses. And it's something that we've been told before that is really important for a business. And that is to be able to operate at two speeds. And when I say two speeds, I mean, speed one is you need to be able to think about right now, how are you making money? You know, what are you doing right now for your business? That's going to be bringing cash in every single week. That's going to keep the business operational. But the second speed is looking ahead. You need to be looking ahead at the strategy of the business, of the future of the business. And a key to running a successful business is being able to operate at those two speeds. But in reality, it's really difficult to be able to do it because so many of us are focused on those short-term wins because we're concerned with money coming into the bank and how are we going to pay our employees. And there are so many reasons why you're stuck in that right now short term. But we were in a really fortunate position where that short term, A, we had enough cash in the bank that it was going to be okay to ride out a bit of a slump. And B, 
those short-term sales weren't coming in no matter what we were going to do. A lot of people, by the way, have said to me, oh, everyone's online shopping now. Has COVID been amazing for you? It's like, yeah, no, maybe everybody's been buying furniture and toys, but nobody wants shoes. I mean, some people want shoes. No, yeah, maybe a tracksuit, a knit, but like not shoes. No, and I feel for people who sell heels and evening gowns because I can't even imagine how much people don't want those right now. <laughs> Our shoes are comfy and you want to wear them around the house at least, but we were offered this precious gem. And I think we even did an episode called The Upside to Lockdown. There have been many, many negatives to 2020, but there is a silver lining in everything. And that was one of the positives that came from it for us was we were given this precious gift, which could have been looked at as a negative. Our sales were taken away. But on the positive, we were given this gift to not have to operate at two speeds. We could just look at the long term. And looking at the long term, we were like, hang on. If we keep operating at the short term that we have been, we're never going to get to this long term or not in the time frame that we want to. And you know what? 2022 isn't good enough. We mm. Maybe we're going to sacrifice some sales for this summer by changing it up. Maybe we're going to offside some people, maybe some big retailer partnerships that we had in place by being like, hey, sorry, our collection is smaller this year. We're not ordering what we thought we were. Maybe we're going to offside some customers by not being able to offer them the really fashionable styles. And you'll hear why in a second, we can't offer the exact same styles. But you know what? This is more important. Like we said, now is the time to not be thinking about the individual, not be thinking about the, oh, but I really like the feeling of having a good relationship with a retailer. I really like the feeling of customers being like, whoa, your shoes are so fashionable. No, now is the time to actually start thinking about the bigger picture because if we don't, there might not be a bigger picture. Mm, so true. I loved that. So we essentially decided that we needed to do something for the immediate, so for spring, summer, because we didn't want to have an 18-month period where we weren't providing our customers with anything. Because we need to keep the cash coming through. And we've also worked really hard on this brand. Yeah, and we need to keep the momentum. Yeah, to then have a brand go dormant for 18 months, you'd kind of be starting from scratch again. Because 18 months is looking like what it will take in order to really have a thoroughly thought out sustainable plan within our product and business. So that's awesome. So we're working at that speed, but we were like, what can we do in the immediate that will not take that much time where we can still be providing our customers with some smiling and happiness for this summer, but that is also not doing bad things for the environment. So what we decided to do is create our existing styles being our original style that we've done in red that we've done in black that we've done in khaki we're doing that in recycled materials recycled lycra that is already readily available on the market that we can buy and dye and call it a day and what that means is that we're not creating more waste we're actually taking waste that would have been going into the bin and we're creating shoes with it. So that in itself is pretty freaking awesome. We wanted two of the elements to be recycled. So we also wanted the bottom of our shoe to be recycled. We had this incredible EVA recycled supplier that we were working with. We were so excited. It was all happening. We placed the order. And then unfortunately due to COVID, 
all of their orders have been cancelled. And so rather than doing our colours like they were planning on it, they said, so sorry, but we've decided we can only actually manage black for the rest of the year. So that was a bit of a blow, but we'll still be doing recycled EVA in black and we'll be doing recycled Lycra across all of our styles. And that basically means that the collection is going to be a lot simpler than it usually is. It's not going to have the extra frills and the extra oomph and the extra fashion and the extra fun. And when we were having this conversation over a few day period, we were kind of toing and froing. And I remember, you know, sometimes I would get caught up and be like, but I love those fashion things. I love the frills. I really want them. And then I would come back to the other recycled pair. And I remember texting you fun and being like, I feel like I keep getting caught up in the fashion. But then when I check myself, that's my ego. Hmm. My heart and what I know is right is really down for the planar recycled version of tubes. But then my ego wants to be seen as this fashion forward label. And then I get caught up in that. So I was in that push and pull for a little while there. But then ultimately, I think that as long as I kept pulling myself back towards my heart, I was like, nah, this is so freaking right. This is awesome. Hmm. Just to clarify, I'm fine, in case you were wondering. Oh, yeah, you're fine. (laughs) You were so in it. You were, like, calling me private nicknames. So that's our immediate. And then something else that's really exciting is, I don't know if you guys have heard of this closed loop that people are talking about, but essentially it means that you would take a product back at the end of its life and you would repurpose it. So you might repurpose it into another pair of shoes or you repurpose it into something else. And so we have been working behind the scenes with this incredible company called Save Our Souls, and they actually take some of our faulty product and they recycle it into mats, like playground mats and warehousing mats for us. It's pretty incredible. But this season, we're going to be finalizing a relationship with a recycler and you as the customer will be able to send the shoes to be recycled at the end of their life. So essentially skipping the landfill process altogether. And that's something that we are so, so deeply proud of. And the last thing we're adding into tubes for this stage one is that we're going satchel free. So I'm sure you guys have noticed that most companies now that are sending from online are all about the compostable satchels, which are awesome. Definitely a step in the right direction. But something that we discussed is that most people don't actually have composts in their backyard or readily available, especially not people who are living in the city. So we were like, what else could we do that's creative, that's not creating waste? And so we were like, hang on, shoes, they come in a box. People send things in a box. Why can't we just send things in the shoe box without the satchel? So that's what we're doing. And I don't know, I reckon I'm pretty excited about that. I feel like it's super innovative. Same. And also while we're talking about those satchels, you know how you can't recycle a lot of plastics in like your regular recycle bin? The other day I took a whole bag because I like cleaned out my pantry and all of my plastic pasta packets and my plastic that's that soft scrunchy plastic, 
I took a whole bag of it and I took it to the supermarket and they recycle it there and that is genius. We should all be doing that. Just wanted to give it a little shout out. That's so clever. I'll definitely do that with mine. Yeah, apparently the rule is if you can scrunch the plastic, if it's soft and you can scrunch it, you can take it to your supermarket. Amazing. What a good tip. That's kind of phase one and phase two for next year is footwear is quite complicated and it's not that easy to make the various components all sustainable and recyclable. So we're going to be doing a total redesign, working with the new footwear designer and designing them with sustainability in mind. So we can relaunch for the end of 2021, completely sustainable. And it sounds like from the outside, like, oh, do I want to have a regular fashion label or a sustainable fashion label? I'll go sustainable. And like somebody just hands you a like sustainable fashion label starter kit. Nah, that ain't how it happened, guys. That's what I thought. Yeah. I thought that there were secrets. To be honest, like, so Claire and I had done so much research. We'd gone to some sustainable fashion summits and things like that, and they weren't giving us secrets. And I was like, what the hell is up? And why isn't anyone spilling the tea? Like, where's the sustainable factory that I can go to? And they'll just tell me everything I need to know, and they'll make my shoes sustainable, right? That's what I thought. Yeah, totally. Like, where's the totally ethical, totally sustainable, they do everything by the book? Like, where's that? Yeah, and then... When we brought on these consultants, they sat down and I was like, woohoo, so what are the secrets? And they were like, there aren't any. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, we're all just out here figuring it out. You're on your own, girls. Yeah, and we're like, oh, so it's like everything else in life? Yeah. Nobody hands you a handbook ever and you just have to figure it all out yourself? Awesome. Which could have been disheartening, but I think that we chose to view that as exciting. And I think that we also see a real opportunity there to collaborate with people who are looking to do similar things. So once we figure out how to create sustainable shoes, working on it at the moment, my friends, we will collaborate with people and help them create a sustainable label. There are some companies out there that are saying that they're doing that right now, but we've reached out to them and I promise they're not helping us. Mm. And I think that someone needs to help. So if we can be the ones to get there first and be like, oi, these are all the ways to do it. Can we all just go to this party and start creating sustainable footwear? That would be epic because our number one goal for this is to actually do good things for the environment. It's no longer ego and no, we created this. No, no. It's let's all create this together. Totally. Could not have said that better myself. This is Tubes 2.0. This is business 2.0, people. This is we all do things together. Look at what's going on in the world right now. There ain't no time to be doing things in the old way. We're entering the new era and We've all got to be in this together. We're all going to fix things together because that is the only way forward. So we hope that by sharing our story, we are going to encourage you to think about not only if you have a fashion label, how you can do things more sustainably, more ethically, but it's whatever your business is, whatever the way you live your life is, the way you purchase things. Let's be thinking about these things. You know, sustainability for us is just one part of it. We're also thinking about how we can be more ethical, how we can be more transparent. The whole shebang, it is so, so, so important. 
And love to hear from you as well, where if there's some sustainable stuff that you've been introducing into your life that we would be able to share with our community. This morning on Instagram, actually saw Laura Gazzola, who I teach with at Upstate. She was posting these new silicon mats that you can use for your oven instead of baking paper. And I was like, how clever is that? I feel like we need to create a bank of things like that, that we can all be exploring in our own lives. Because at the end of the day, yes, being a business, you have a big effect. But as an individual human, you have a huge effect. So if we could start to introduce some of these things into our lives, think about how much less we would be contributing to the problems. Totally. So we're going to be sharing more about this journey as we go on Tubes' Instagram. So definitely make sure you're following there. We're going to be posting all the different things that go into creating a sustainable label. Like we said, this is not for personal gain. This is literally so other people can replicate it too. So if you have ideas, if you have questions, hit us up. And Jess and I both work on our various areas of the business. So I sit on the marketing and the digital side and Jess sits on the design and the development side. We also have been thinking about for a long time now, and we have a section on the Tubes website on this, is how can we make our office more sustainable? And we have more conversations lined up for the remainder of the year where other people talk about where they've thought about even the idea of having an office, is that sustainable? Or if we all worked from home, we'd be using less resources. There are just so many layers that there are to think about. So if you are listening to this conversation and kind of thinking, well, I want to be contributing to this too. There are so, so many ways that you can be contributing. Come on over to our Facebook page, How to Live the Podcast, or our Instagram at How to Live the Podcast. And we will continue the conversation over there. If you did enjoy this conversation, we would absolutely love for you to help us get the word out and send this episode to a friend who you think would enjoy it. You can just hit your share button wherever you're listening and send it on over via text message, WhatsApp, email, Facebook Messenger, TikTok, Snapchat, if you're still using it, however you communicate. So next week on the podcast, we have the incredible Alira Potter. Oh my goodness. We had so much fun chatting to Alira, you guys. Her Instagram bio says that she is a sassy spiritual gangster who reads your mind and heals you and that she does. She's also a proud Yoda Yoda woman and is bringing her heritage into her healing. So we talked all about that. Here's a listen. The last couple of years, I started receiving messages and I started questioning and speaking to other psychics and saying, hey, is this my brain or is this like messages coming on in? And they're like, no, that's messages. Just say that you're open to receiving. And one day I was like, I'm open to receiving now. Like, come on, universe. I had, this was really a bizarre story, but I was in bed one night and this little boy came to me and people are like, this is crazy. And I'm like, no, he literally came to me and he just wanted me to give his mum the message of, hey, tell mum I'm okay. That's next week on the podcast. We're very excited. Sending you guys so, so, so much love at the moment. Lots of virtual hugs and kisses. And I'm sending you sunshine from Byron Bay. Bye. 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 Na 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 na